2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to young Timothy and to you and I. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words. They are so beautiful and powerful. I pray you would open our hearts and help us to learn from them today. May you be glorified through our attentiveness to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to read for you this morning uh, a little excerpt from a series called Facing Your Feelings. It's uh, 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 the beginning of a little story. Kate rolled over at the sound of the alarm, glanced at the clock, and wondered if she had wanted to get up. Why bother? Have you ever been that way, by the way? Every morning. <laughs> Every morning. Well, that's honest. I appreciate your honesty. It was rhetorical, but still, I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> you wake up and you think, why bother? The house was silent. All three of her children had left for college over the past two days, and their absence hung heavy in the air. To make matters worse, the family dog had died a month ago, and even his friendly little wagging form had been removed from their life. She wandered into the kitchen where her husband, Hank, was reading the sports page. Hi, honey, she murmured. Mm -hmm, he said back. Hank's eyes never left the paper. She poured herself a cup of coffee and sat down at the window, staring at the September garden. Hank stretched and groaned, got up and headed for the closet. Grabbing his suit coat, he walked toward the front door. See ya. The door slammed, and Kate listened as the car started and backed out of the driveway, its sound fading into the cool morning air. How would she feel another empty day? Kate dialed a couple of friends' phone numbers, but reached only their answering machines. She turned on the TV, made her way around the channels, and flipped it off in frustration. I'll go to the mall, she decided aloud, smiling grimly at the bumper sticker reality. When the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. <laughs> the mall was crowded. Kate was caught in a tide of last minute back to school shoppers, yet the crowds made her feel lonelier than ever. She sat at Starbucks sipping a latte, watching the people chatting, laughing, and smiling at each other. Tears stung her eyes. She felt like the oldest shopper in the mall and the only one shopping alone. She fought off the idea that the world had somehow passed her by. Do you ever feel lonely? This morning's message is entitled, The Cure for Loneliness. The Cure for Loneliness. Do you ever feel lonely? You know, I've read the statistics that the majority of pastors struggle with loneliness. I can, can kind of understand that, although God's been very gracious to me. You're a very loving group, and I have a wonderful family. 
But there are times where it's kind of lonely to be the pastor. I'll give an example, and a lot of people don't realize these kinds of events that, that take place in the life of every pastor. I preach weddings, for example, and some of you, I've performed your wedding, and so I'm not targeting you uh, absolutely at all. It's a joyous occasion, you know, you prepare for months or some cases years for that wedding day. Increasingly, weddings are not held in the sanctuary of a church, they're held at venue centers. Most of the time I go to venue centers anymore and there's a reason for that, that we don't talk about at church. My goodness, bless your heart. And I'm not saying you, I'm sure you were married right here in this sanctuary, God bless you. But they have them at venue centers because there's a reception after the wedding is over and at the reception there's drinking and there's dancing, two things that we don't allow here in the, 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 the church. We're Baptists, we still don't dance officially. <laughs> I don't have to grapple with that, thank goodness, because I, uh, I couldn't dance if my life depended on it. Um, I don't know how, but uh, we don't allow dancing and drinking and people like to dance and drink at their weddings. And so often at the end of the, the beautiful ceremony and I pronounce them husband and wife and there's applauding and they walk down the aisle and there's photographs and everybody's happy and they announce, hey, there will be a reception. And I'm the one that usually announces it, by the way. And I go to the big party and there's a preacher in the room and I look at people as they look out of the corner of the eye at me, I'm kind of the elephant in the room as it were. And they're all, I feel, waiting for the preacher to leave so the party can begin. So I get my cold uh, cup of water and drink that and say a few goodbyes and then I'm out of there uh, so that the music can start and I can hear it as I'm going to my car. <laughs> Certain, suddenly there's, there's a, a joy in the air now that daddy, the preacher's gone. So uh, I get the loneliness sometimes. Do you ever feel lonely? Author Lee Strobel writes it this way. He says, people today will admit any problem, drugs, divorce, alcoholism, but there's one admission that people loathe to make. Whether they're a star on television or someone who fixes televisions in a repair shop, it's just too embarrassing. He says, it penetrates too deeply into the core of who they are. People don't want to admit that they are sometimes lonely. A new report from February of 2021 of last year suggests that 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults, that is the majority of young adults, and 51% of mothers with young children feel serious loneliness. Not surprisingly, loneliness appears to have increased substantially since the outbreak of the pandemic. I read all of these statistics online uh, from well-known sources Loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 26%. Loneliness, living alone, and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> loneliness is worse for you than obesity. Social isolation and loneliness is associated with about a 50% increase in the risk of dementia. Wow, 50% risk increase in the percent of dementia. 
Poor social relationships characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. Loneliness among heart failure patients was associated with a nearly four times increased risk of death and 68% increased risk of hospitalization and an increase in high blood pressure. Now, why? We were designed for relationships. It, we're hardwired for it. And when we don't have a healthy or healthy relationships and we feel that loneliness in our life, it harms us. We are not being fed emotionally and spiritually just as we need to be fed physically. It might not surprise you, women report feeling lonely more frequently than men. However, while higher percentages of older women report loneliness compared to men, listen to this, a greater number of older men report moderate to high levels of social isolation. So men, we don't call it loneliness, we call it social isolation, but the same. Two-fifths of all older people say that the television is their main company. Wow. Are you lonely? If you are, you're in good company. Many people, and I mean many people, in the Bible experienced loneliness. Often godly people experienced loneliness. To name a few, in 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah suffered tremendously from isolation and loneliness. He was so discouraged, he laid down under a tree and asked God to take his own life. He despaired of even living. He was so lonely and isolated. Jeremiah may have been the most lonely man in the Bible. It's a tie probably between him and um, Job. And we'll get to that in a minute. And Jeremiah had done nothing wrong. In fact, he'd done exactly what God had called him to do. He was God's prophet, but it was a lonely calling. Known as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah never married, never had a family, and even his friends betrayed him and wanted him dead. In Mark chapter 5, we read about the woman who suffered from bleeding for 12 years. She was considered unclean and separated from her family and everybody else. What isolation, what loneliness she must have felt. In our passage for this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul very clearly suffered from isolation and loneliness. If you go to look at the, that passage again in verse 16, the very first verse, Paul says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. This is the Apostle Paul. He's been fighting the good fight. He's been keeping the faith. He's been staying on course to finish the race. And it comes time for his big court date. How many churches had he started? How many thousands had he led to faith in Christ? And the first day, how wonderful it would have been to have a chorus of Christians there supporting him. He can hear their prayers behind him or perhaps outside if they weren't allowed in. There is a multitude of Christians, uh, thousands strong, praying for him and encouraging him, but not one believer was there. 
you know he had to feel lonely. No one came to my support, not, but everyone deserted me. Even Jesus experienced loneliness. He was often isolated when he prayed during the 40 days of his temptation. Of course, he was terribly isolated in the garden Perhaps the most lonely time in his life, he was there. Even though the disciples were nearby, they were all asleep. And Jesus was alone to struggle with his destiny and his arrest coming up in only minutes. Maybe it was on the cross that he felt the greatest loneliness of all. A level of loneliness he'd never conceived of in his life. Because he was taking upon himself the sins of the world, he was isolated even from his heavenly father for the first time. And he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I shared from that passage before with you a couple times recently. And we know that he's talking about Psalm 22 and he's quoting Psalm 22, which is ultimately a victory song, uh, psalm. But you and I understand he must have felt that loneliness and being deserted. He could not see the presence of his heavenly father because of your sin and my sin that was upon him. Roger Kipling once said, the human soul is essentially a very lonely thing. We are born alone, we die alone, and in the depths of our heart we live alone. I heard about a man who wanted to join one of those lonely hearts clubs. He sent them his photograph and they sent back a note and said, we're not that lonely. <laughs> so who gets lonely? Well, at one time or another, everybody, if you're honest with yourself, everyone gets lonely. It was a theologian, Warren Wiersbe, that said, <clears throat> like many other feelings in our lives, it's easier to experience it than it is to define it. Loneliness is being all by yourself, even when you're surrounded by other people. Loneliness is a feeling of isolation, even in the midst of a crowd. You feel unwanted. You feel unneeded. You feel as though there's nothing to live for. You feel as though nobody really cares anymore. That's loneliness. He says loneliness eats away at the inner person. It saps you of strength. It robs you of hope. Loneliness, as it were, puts a wall around you no matter how free you may be. On October the 4th of 1970, the famed rock star Janis Joplin, at the young age of 27, was found dead in her Los Angeles hotel room. It was a drug overdose. But just before her death, Joplin had shared with a friend, she said, when I am not on the theater stage, I just lie around and watch television and feel very lonely. H.G. Wells, the famous British scientist, historian, lecturer, and author, whom many consider to be the greatest intellect of the 21st century, stated before the end uh, and before he died, I am lonely. In Psalm chapter 102, verse 6, the, six, the psalmist said, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. Listen to what he says. I'm like an owl in the desert. I watch and I'm as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. He certainly felt isolated. And we'll get to David in just a minute. Charles L. Allen, who used to pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, in his book entitled In Quest of God's Power, he tells about a lady who used to call every night just before she went to bed a number that gives the correct 
time. Did you know there used to be a number that gave the correct time? Somebody asked her if she did not have a clock, and she said, yes, I have a clock, but I, I call not because I want to know the time, but just to hear somebody's voice before I go to bed. Are you lonely? Now, there are a number of reasons why we get lonely. Uh, I'll look at these just briefly, but I want to focus on a solution that the Bible gives us to loneliness today. We get lonely, uh, of course, certainly we are isolated sometimes by our own society. We're not included in a certain group of people or groups of people, and we feel lonely. There's also loneliness caused by success. They always say, of course, it's lonely at the top. Harry S. Truman, when he was president of the United States, said this, to be president of the United States is to be lonely, very lonely at times of great decisions. There's also loneliness caused by suffering. If you have had a husband or a wife, your spouse has died, especially for those who have been married for decades and decades and decades. There is this deep sense of loss and loneliness that maybe you feel from that. For many others, your spouse didn't die. They left you. Maybe you wish they had died, <laughs> but they didn't. They left you for somebody else or for something else. And you feel that tremendous sense of loneliness because you're no longer a part of any relationship like that. Also, friends desert you. One of the most vivid, vivid passages <clears throat> on loneliness came from Job. <clears throat> this is Job chapter 19, verse 14. <clears throat> Job said this, <clears throat> My kinsmen have gone away. My friends have forsaken me. That is, my family is left, my friends have forsaken me. My guests and my maidservants count me a stranger. They look upon me as an alien. I summon my servant, but he doesn't answer. Though I beg him with my own mouth, <clears throat> my breath is offensive to my wife. <laughs> my goodness. <clears throat> my breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own brothers. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. Wow. Oh, he's hit rock bottom. He feels lonely. Sometimes, however, loneliness, I have to say this, is caused by sin. If you're the meanest person anybody's ever met, you're probably going to be a lonely person. If you're hateful to others, you're probably going to be lonely. Those are the people I meet on the highway every day. They must be really lonely because they're awful mean. Jacob, for example, he had lived a life when he was young. He had lied. He had cheated. He had been treacherous all of his life. He robbed his brother of his own birthright. He lied to his father and mis misrepresented himself to his blind father. Took advantage of his own dad's blindness for crying out loud. Finally, he, in order to keep from being killed by his brother, he fled for his life. And he was truly, totally alone. And it was his own fault. Some people are just impossible to live with. And so they end up being alone. Sometimes our loneliness is caused by sin. So what is the cure? 
Whatever's caused your loneliness or will cause your loneliness in the future, you might want to write this down because you're going to need it. If you don't need it now, the day will come. What is the cure for loneliness? Let me give you a cure. It's not, it's not a pill that you take. It's not a shot that you inject. It's much more powerful. Number one, this is really important. It sounds redundant, but it is not. You are not alone in your loneliness. I told you it sounded redundant. You're not alone in your loneliness. Most people you know, if not everyone you know, feels lonely as well from time to time. If you remember that great moment in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He spent some time with the disciples. They're on this hilltop and Jesus is, a, is beginning his ascension into heaven. What a great moment that was, amen? I would love to have seen that. I wish they had cell phones with cameras back then. I'd like to see that on YouTube. Jesus ascending into heaven. And as he's beginning this ascent into heaven, his last words, his great promise to his disciples is, and surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, you may be lonely from other people. You could be separated from everybody on earth, but you got me. I won't leave you. Know that you're not alone in your loneliness. Number two, draw near to God. Draw near to God. <clears throat> James chapter 4, 8, that famous verse says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's a promise. And I believe the Bible is true. And I believe if you will make an effort to draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Claim that promise today. Doesn't mean your life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's just going to be smiles and roses all the time, but it does mean that God will be with you and give you strength. What was it that Paul said? He said, everybody deserted me at my first trial. Nobody, nobody was with me. He said, but, but God stood by my side and God delivered me. He was sad, but then he experienced victory in the midst of that sadness. King David, in spite of his fame, he experienced times of terrible loneliness. So how did he deal with it? He drew close to God. Psalm 142, for example, verse 4 says it this way. <clears throat> David says, look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. That word portion is important. What he's saying is, I may not have a friend in the world. I may be completely alone, but God is enough for me. He's my portion in the land of the living. So draw near to God. Next, draw near to others. Draw near to others. I know this may not be easy, but you need to try to do this. I told you a while ago, we are designed for relationships. There's no workaround. There's no lupo. You cannot escape the fact that you and I are social creatures by design. We're made for a relationship with God, and we are made for relationships with others, period. I know it's not easy. Come to church. Try a Bible study group. 
Come to a church fellowship. Participate in one of the ministries or the mission endeavors of the church. If you just come to worship, you sit there and you worship and then you leave, or you just watch online, that kind of of connection is not sufficient in God's kingdom. Now, I'm, wa- I'm glad you're watching, and I'm glad you come to worship, but God wants more for you than just that. Connect. Draw near to others. Now, I'll make you this promise. You come to one of our Bible study groups or our small groups. You come to one of our fellowships. You participate in the ministries of the church, and nobody talks to you, nobody loves you, and nobody embraces you. Come talk to me. I want to know. All right. But I'm confident this church is going to be kind and receiving of you. Draw near to others. Many people, especially for those of you who have experienced the death of someone near, a, a spouse, for example. My mother and father were so with each other so many decades, it was extraordinarily difficult for my mother to rebuild a new life after daddy was gone. And I know that's hard. Oh, I know that's hard. But I want to challenge you. Connect with others anyway. Do your best to draw close to others. Always remember you were created for relationships, a relationship with your father in heaven and a relationship with others. Remember when Jesus was prompted for the most important of all the laws in the Old Testament, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he said the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was talking about connecting with God, connecting with others as we're designed to be. And then remember, you are loved. You are loved by God and by others. That's why God gives you a church family. That's why on our sign out there at the welcome desk, it says, I put this on there myself. It says, welcome home. Because I believe this is a family. This is God's house. And I want you to feel welcome here. Reed Lessing tells the story of a Native American ritual for training young braves. Have you heard the story? On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, as a young Indian brave, he was placed in a dense forest, this young man was, to spend the entire night alone, kind of an initiation into manhood. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family or his tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken miles away. And when he took off his blindfold, he was in the middle of thick, dense woods by himself all night long. Terrifying. How out of his element the young brave must have felt. How very unbrave, in fact, he must have felt. And every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal ready to pounce and tear him apart. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of the darkness to attack him. Every time the wind blew, he wondered what more sinister sound it masked. No doubt it was a terrifying night for many a young brave. But after what must have seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest that next morning. And looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of a path. 
Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and an arrow. It was his father. He had been there all night long, protecting him, watching over him. Even though he felt alone, his father was actually always there. It's an important lesson of independence for the young brave, but also an important lesson of dependence. God made you and I in such a manner that we must depend on him. But he wants you to know he is always there, always watching over you, always protecting, and always longing to have a relationship with you especially when you're lonely. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you today, we acknowledge that we are sometimes terribly lonely in our life. We feel isolated. We have trouble connecting. Or we're just discouraged and we stop trying. It may be the loss, after the loss of a loved one or maybe a relationship is broken and someone betrays us and abandons us. And we really struggle to connect after that. Sometimes we just get tired of trying. Father, help us today. For those that are watching online or that they're here this morning and they struggle with loneliness, whether they acknowledge it publicly or not, in their heart they know they're lonely. Father, I pray in this moment that your spirit would help them to know that they are loved by you. You care for them. We ask and pray that you would heal their hearts and that you would be their portion today. Now, Father, for those that are not struggling with loneliness, they know somebody who is, a loved one, a family member, a neighbor, someone at work, or at school. They know somebody that's really struggling. And I pray, Father, that you would put it in our hearts to lift them up in prayer, but to go a step further to try to connect with them, to alleviate their loneliness, to reach out, to care. As you care for us, may we care for others. That's your word. That's your call in our life. That's what Christ did. To those that nobody would reach out to, to the woman caught into adultery, everyone else talked about her, but Jesus talked to her. To Zacchaeus, hated by everyone, but loved by Jesus. May we be like that this week. May we be the solution to the loneliness of this world through Christ. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today to be that person? And maybe God has put somebody on your mind just now. Somebody you know that's really struggling with loneliness and maybe they deserve it. Maybe they did something wrong or said something wrong and maybe they've done it to themselves. It doesn't matter. Listen, We've all done things and said things that were wrong. God has forgiven us. You forgive them. God still wants to connect with us. You connect with them. Just let them know that they're loved. 
But if you are somebody here right now and you're really struggling right now with loneliness in your life, I want to remind you that God loves you. You might just want to come and get on your knees and say, God, this is me. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm calling out. Will you help me? The first thing you need to do if you've never given your life to Christ is to do that very thing. You will always be lonely in your life apart from Christ because God designed you for a relationship with him and you can't do that without Christ. He's your savior. He's the only one that can remove that wall of separation between you and your creator. And he did that on the cross. Died for you, your sins, and my sins in my place so that we can be connected with our maker and fulfill our purpose in life. Would you be willing to do that today? Accept Christ as your savior. Maybe you want to come and pray for somebody that you love, that you know is struggling with loneliness. If God is leading right now, this invitation is for you. Would you stand? All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. And as you stand and as you pray right now, you come.